This is Masters Cast, the first He-Man and She-Ra podcast, episode number 77 for March 20th, 2022. Being a champion is about defending those who can't defend themselves. Hey everyone, thanks for downloading. I'm John Callis, also known as The Shadow. I'm Kitty Carty Hiley, also known as Rainbow Bright. I am Martin Penny, also known as Wacky Martin. I am Leanne Hanna, also known as Stratus Macca. And I'm Josh Lioncourt, also known as Lioncourt. And guess what? We made Josh binge season two of Netflix's CG He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. <laughs> It's true. They did. He made it through. He made it through. I'm still alive, but only just. (laughs) (laughs) Is it a binge watch if it takes somebody two weeks to finish it? (laughs) Yes. Yes, it did. I believe this is the longest uh, any uh, thing that we've had, like the the princesses of power revelation. This is the longest it's taken me to get through anything, even uh, including CG season one so last you know last season was 10 episodes this one was only eight yes yeah but we're spoiling we're spoiling (laughs) yes uh spoiler alert uh the whole episode's gonna have spoilers so if you have not binged season two of the new cg he-man show available on netflix please go do that before watching the episodes unless you want to be spoiled because some people like that and that's okay I don't know why I'm talking like I'm on the radio. <laughs> we support you no matter what. <laughs> All hugs. You're on the radio in the 1990s. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Number one on the hit line uh, is the CG show, which you should watch because it's amazing, even if it's not Josh's cup of tea, which I'm sure we'll find out shortly. Uh <laughs> Um, first I'd like to do overall, overall thoughts. Um, for me, I didn't think season two was as strong as season one. So I'll I'll give that, uh, uh, up and, you know, realistically, um, I binged it twice. I actually enjoyed it slightly more on the second binge than I did on the first. Um, and overall, um, I thought it was a decent kind of middle section because the the assumption is you know we're going to get one more season which would be season three to wrap everything up so i kind of think it worked for me as the middle bridge between skeletor and king hiss yeah i think i would echo that almost exactly um trying to think if i have anything different to say about my experience with it like uh maybe a couple parts in the season made me laugh even harder than some parts from season one but that's not to say it's better it's just there were some really stinking funny parts um but yeah that doesn't make it better or worse but so yeah i would i would agree i would say season one was a little stronger for me but i still absolutely loved this season a lot um except for maybe the ending i'm a little iffy on we'll talk about that later and i'm excited to see what they do with season three martin um 
<clears throat> I'm going to be contrarian. I actually enjoyed season two more than season one. Ooh. Um, I, I think season... <laughs> Was that an uh from Josh in the background? <laughs> um, Martin continues his streak as anti-Lion Court. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, we usually agree. Um, I, I've only like conversely uh, separated from the, the Lion Court arena from Revelation Part 2 onwards. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> usually we're in agreement, except for that brief period at the, the start of the 1990s, which we don't talk about. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I did enjoy this one a bit more than the first series, I think, which I think the first season for me started off maybe a little slow. Uh, it took a little while to get going for me to really start enjoying it. Uh, once I did, I really liked it. But I think this one just kind of throws you straight in and the character dynamics are there and it has a bit more fun with just like, just it embraces the, the comedy, which is something I really enjoy. But yes, I appreciate not everyone else will. <laughs> it's, maybe sometimes it goes a bit too far with it, but for me, it works. Um, and it kind of helped me to power through um, the season. Um, I, I really enjoyed it, particularly... Um, you know, Skeletor is a at a delight in this season, and I think a lot of the um, a lot of the new characters that they introduce, I enjoy the the fresh takes. This continues to be fresh takes, and uh, that's what I really loved about this season. It it pushes things into directions which I would not have expected. Yeah, Leanne. Um. Yeah, I pretty much agree with everybody. Um. I I can't tell. I mean, I, I want to say I liked the first season more um, only because I think it hit different for me because mm -hmm. it was it was fresh, fresher. You know, we were just going into it and seeing these new takes on the characters. It was a lot of fun. The second season, I feel like, you know, we're kind of thrown in with everything. Also, I think I know I'm biased, <laughs> but I think Stratos <laughs> was like one of the best things about the season. Yes. Um, I really liked seeing the takes on the the new takes on the additional characters. I thought that was a lot of fun. Um, Manny faces was great. Um, mm -hmm. Stratus was awesome. Um, I think that I agree with Katie. I have some issues with the way that uh, this season ended up that we can get into. Um, but I do think that I, I watched the season twice, the new season twice, and I did enjoy it more on the second run. So um, kind of some of my gripes about it were lessened a bit with the second viewing. But um, but overall, I'm still having a blast with the show. I think it's a lot of fun. Josh. All right. So most of my <laughs> most of my comments, I think, for this episode of Masters Cast are going to probably come in this little section at the beginning. I have some specific things I want to throw out as we dissect the rest of it a little bit more in detail. But this season really crystallized for me the problems I have with this take in general. Now I'm going to say the same thing I said last time that we talked about the CG show, which is. If this is your thing, I am desperately jealous that you're enjoying this because, like, I want to enjoy this. I even went in, I saw, I don't know, one of the trailers or whatever it was before season two dropped and was like, 
that doesn't look too bad. You know, I'm going in really hopeful that, okay, I, I'm going to go in prepared that this this might be a little bit better. I might enjoy it a little bit more. I didn't hate season one just as a refresher. It was okay. Um, it was fine. It wasn't great, but it wasn't terrible. But a lot of the problems that I had with season one are a thousand times worse in season two for me. And I'm going to make a whole bunch of enemies right up front here because one, th one thought that occurred to me toward the tail end of this, I think it was after I'd seen the first six episodes of season two, was this is what Star Wars fans felt when they saw The Phantom Menace. And Ouch. I think it's a pretty strong parallel because like all the pieces for being masters of the universe are here, right? But it's been dumbed down and turned into a bunch of stupid jokes and gags and whatever. And if you find those funny, that's fine. But that's for, for me personally, that is not what I want from masters. And there are a few lines in the show that made me laugh and that was fine. Even with the Princesses of Power series, which also had a lot of comedy in it, it was balanced better with the stuff that I do want, with the with the uh, the more the more drama and a little bit darker sides and stuff. Like it was a much better balance than this show. This show is to me makes more of a mockery of the property than it does anything else and there's not enough of the darker side for me to balance it out and this is why i didn't like swift wind like swift wind in the shira show was where they went too far right and i was just like just get him off the screen i don't want to <laughs> see any more swift wind and but there were a lot of the other humor i was okay with because it was well balanced in that show and in this show the balance for me is so far in the wrong direction that it's hard, it, just like it was for a lot of people at like the Phantom Menace and all the stupid Jar Jar Binks stuff in that movie. And, you know, here's our main character who's like eight years old after, you know, it was a, a shock to the system if you were a, a fan of the original trilogy. There are lots of people who like the prequels. There are lots of particularly kids that grew up with them and loved them and stuff. And it's like more power to you. But as a Star Wars fan that grew up with the original, I could not, you know, fully embrace the prequels and especially the Phantom Menace was really not my cup of tea. So this series, like in the, you know, after two seasons has really settled into that, um, that problem for, for me, uh, too many, too many stupid gags and things and, um, and, and missed opportunities so i want to i'm gonna i'm gonna bring up just one really small thing and i think maybe the rest of these I'm, well yeah i don't know some of these i'm gonna bring up as we talk more in depth but i do want to bring up one specific uh thing and then two more uh really quick broad things so an example of one of the things that i'm i'm talking about on a very very smaller scale there are there are much worse more egregious things but this is like the the moment where I thought I was going to get something that I wanted and then I didn't. So as has apparently become obligatory, we have an episode in this season for a little while where Tila and, and Evelyn need to work together, <laughs> um, which seems like we get in every series now. 
Um, and there's that scene where they're having the, I think it's like they're, I don't know, they're having like their campfire thing and Tila offers Evelyn food and then whatever. And then Evelyn mm-hmm. says, I'm going to go to sleep. And Tila. <laughs> Tila Sorry, was, that's a funny scene. Okay, maybe. <laughs> but I'm going to explain what what disappointed me in it. So Tila responds with, you trust me enough to go to sleep? And what I thought was going to happen, what I was expecting to happen, this is you know, by no means the most egregious thing, but what I, what I expected to happen there was that we were going to get this cementing of both Evil Ed's personality and kind of their antagonistic relationship. And what I wanted, what I thought was going to be a, a retort from Evil Ed of something along the lines of, I don't fear you enough not to, or something like that. Right, because Evelyn's always got, and I think in the show to some degree as well, right? She's got like the ego going on and whatever, and very prideful generally in in various portrayals over the years. Instead, they go with the dumb gag where it's like Evelyn lays down, puts her eye wide open, and Tila's like, oh, that's not unsettling. And it's like, that's not even that funny. And you wasted this moment where you could have shown us something a little deeper than the dumb gag. And like, I felt that way for basically seven episodes of this mm. show um, all the time, time after time, after time, they were letting me. And it's like, I don't need it to be dark and serious all the time. The, the Shira show is evidence of that. I really enjoyed that show overall. Like it doesn't need to be that all the time, but you need to balance it a bit better. And uh, you know, I thought season three, or I'm sorry, episode three with the waltz, uh, I thought was rock bottom. And then we got episode five and it got worse. So this is this is my overall uh, feelings. And I'm, I've got to have a few more comments as we go along. But this is where this show is falling down for, for me. In fact, I'll say one last uh, thing really quick. Uh, I It was added salt to in you know what is it add insult to injury or salt in the wound when we got to episode eight because that's the final episode of season two it is a really good episode i really liked pretty much everything in that episode it was really well done really well balanced there was character development think of that it was so great i loved it i loved the whole thing with uh with crass you know fighting skeletor's mind control stuff and all this stuff so well done and i was like really you guys are capable of writing really good story why did you make me sit through these seven episodes to get to this which you know the first seven for me ranged from mediocre to i don't know if i'm gonna make it through this episode right like those were the kind of the the span and then and then episode eight, we get a really good one. It's like, why didn't we have even a couple more really well-written episodes spread out through these eight? Why did I have to sit through these seven really, truly terrible episodes to get here? So anyway, I'm done venting, I guess. I needed to vent. That was, I'm, I feel much better now. But, think of it, uh, this is how I kind of think of that, though. So I can see your point. So for example, the waltz scene. I believe on my first viewing of it, I cringed a little bit instead of laugh. Second viewing, 
I thought it was hilarious, right? So I kind of had a complete change of mind on the Waltz scene. And I'm wondering if it's because, and I don't watch any children's animated programming, right? So this is not aimed at us specifically, right? Even though there's a lot of elements for us, like episode eight, which I would agree with you is probably one of the strongest episodes of the bunch. Um, but do you think they have that kind of stuff like Skeletor asking where the bathroom, or yes, he used the bathroom. Like I thought that was funny. Um, yes. Because it's kind of like humor that would hit with like, you know, an eight-year-old. I mean, same with Evil Lynn when she sleeps with one eye open. Like, I know that gag is like a tired gag, but for me, like with Evil Lynn kind of just smirking and then like falling right to the ground with her <laughs> eye open. Like it was it's hysterical. It was hysterical. <laughs> yes. Like so like I have to wonder if if it's if it's just you're not as jiving as much with the you know, the the more kid elements, because even She-Ra and the Princesses of Power, I feel were aimed at a at a higher age group yes. than this show is. Absolutely. I guess, but I feel like this show is even aimed at like a younger age group than like Filmation was, right? Like this is like three-year-old humor and stuff. Like I feel like, and even if you want to put some of that stuff in, I'm okay with that. Like if it's the balance that's off for me, right? It's way too much of it way too much hmm. not that it's there at all it's that it's it's overpowering everything else it's like if you i love jalapenos but i don't particularly care for jalapenos on pizza because when you put jalapenos on pizza all you can taste is the jalapenos right like and that's <laughs> kind of how that. i feel about this show right like they put so much of that those those dumb things in there and it's fine if kids are enjoying it great i'm happy for the kids that enjoy it that's fine but for me it's the balance is so skewed that i just can't get can't get over it at this point and i it's very much how i felt about phantom menace except much more strongly because i'm a much bigger masters fan than i was ever a star wars fan so it's like that but multiplied by 10 and i have way more sympathy for the star wars fans that kind of were extremely upset when uh fan of menace came out i think the way i kind of viewed the uh <clears throat> humor in this was um if, if this was strictly a a kids show like if they toned down the humor and it was just sort of marketed towards a younger audience i think i'd find it a struggle to get through i I sometimes find filmation a struggle to get through these days. Like I can watch one episode at a time and that's about it. Um, and for me, the humor is the thing that gets me through the show. Like I enjoy the sort of um, tongue in cheek comments and the, the sort of embracing the more ridiculous elements um, of masters of the universe of which there are many. Um, and I think this show does that. And that's, to me, that is a plus, and it's something that sort of um, makes this show feel a bit different to other incarnations that we've seen. Interesting. So the humor actually drives you to be able to binge it and enjoy it more. If you remove the humor, you might find it to be a bit stale. I think, yeah, I think it would be kind of bland to me without the humor. I think it needs that that sort of edge to it. If it was just a straight up CG kids show, 
um, that was like just doing like a, a fairly serious He-Man story with mm-hmm. these characters with powers. I think I'd just find it a bit dull. <laughs> I think well, I, given I given it, the but... right, yeah, I think I agree with you though to some degree because like given the show like a lot of the episodes so episodes like one and two for example less much less humor than three and five i guess which were like to me like just unwatchably bad um but i I found a lot of those kind of those episodes with a little bit less humor just kind of boring so i do sympathize with where you're coming from but at that point it's like then you need to tell a better story like or you need to write a better script or whatever like that which is kind of what i was getting at with the the last episode being so good it's like you can you they can do it they're just choosing not to and it that make for me kind of makes it worse well speaking of the writing maybe someone can clear clarify or clear this up for me maybe i missed something on my two binges so we are introduced uh, to to Stratos, right, in this, which is awesome for Leanne, of course, <laughs> um, and Avion and everything. And, you know, Evil Lynn is very, very, very do not involve, you know, Stratos and his people, right? Yes. Like she yes. keeps saying, she says this multiple times, even to the point in one episode before Skeletor can, I believe, you know, basically kill Stratos. She, um, like teleports him or Skeletor out of the, you know, out of the picture. Um, but then later on in the season, it's as if Avion doesn't know how to defend itself. So she was worried about this armada getting involved. And then later in the season, it it seemed like it was like a non-issue. It was like, well, we can squash them anyway. And I mean, at the beginning of the season, Skeletor had Randor's army. So what's the situational difference? That's what I I was totally confused on. Yeah, I was kind of confused with that too, especially on the, the second viewing because I thought it was more glaring. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's basically what gets her kicked out. You know, that's why Skeletor takes her power away and stuff because she questioned him in front of everybody, mm-hmm. you know, by really not wanting to get um uh avion involved yeah and i mean i know but i but i like i don't i don't really by the end of the series it's like that was kind of a a plot thread maybe they were going with it first and then change their minds by the end of this season like i'm not really sure I mean, I get Skeletor ends up, right? And they, for lack of a better term, they defeat Skeletor. So that happened. But I don't necessarily feel it was like the catalyst for that wasn't the, you know, Avion army or anything. So. But this kind of even more emphasizes a point. You know what I kind of wish? I wish we had this show, but with the the caliber of writing that we had in the princesses of power show, like either those writers or writers as good as, because I, I do think the writing in this show is lackluster. And ultimately a lot of my complaints, I have, I have some complaints about the, the general um, premise that the show has built, but the bigger issues I have, I think are with the actual writing. I think that's actually where it falls flat for me. It too much humor 
not enough good storytelling. Like they can do it, but they cho either choose not to or can't do it consistently. And this, like that you're talking about with Stratos is like just another kind of example of that. Like either, okay, if they, they dropped it, if it was an idea they had and they, they changed their mind later, justify that in some way, make it make sense somewhere in the story later, even if it's too late to go back and change the scripts because those episodes are in production or already produced or whatever, or, you know, plan, plan better to begin with and don't change midstream either way. Like it's still a failing of the writing, I think. Yeah. I mean, maybe they had just built up a reputation um, over time and because you know, it's clear that, you know, they don't really interact with people. Yeah. Um, so maybe over time they've just built up this reputation and that's kind of what she was playing off of. And that's also we haven't point. seen the Mer people. Yeah. That was another thing um, I thought might play in this season. Is that what Leviathan was referring yes. to? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And in the... Um... In the Heroes and Villains Character Guide, I believe it states that the Mer folk were instrumental in helping King Grayskull defeat the Snake Men. Oh. So it makes sense that we don't see the Mer folk probably until season three. I'm assuming there's gonna they're gonna try to do some type of team up, right? Because mm -hmm. that was how the Snake Men were originally um, destroyed. Um, going to your point, Leanne, I think that's all they needed was like one line. Like maybe Skeletor just had to say like, huh, some armada. Like, you know, like there was, I feel it was justify just a lack it. of, yeah, yeah, justify yeah. it. There was just a lack of acknowledgement there um, that, that I think was missing and confusing for me. Kind of the same with the introduction of like, I know Josh, you, you said about there's a lot of character development in, in episode eight, which I agree. Um, but I did think in season one, they did a pretty good job of rounding out the main characters. But in, in season two, besides the addition of Stratos, um, who we, you know, we get some glimpses of like, but we like really didn't find out like why he didn't have real wings. Like we find out he made them and stuff, but it's still more, more details than we got for say like Webster who just kind of appears and then like is instantly put on Stratos's team like that. Those kind of things were a little jarring for me. Um, yeah. You know, just like in revelation when like blade jumps out, you know, in, uh, in <laughs> castle skull or whatever. And you're like, why is he here? Um, <laughs> sort of. And, and mosquito, I'm sorry. I forget what she's called in the female form. Isn't it? Mosquitara. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, loved that. But again, she <laughs> also kind of just appeared I feel like because they needed they they had that idea of right of Stratos taking over, which I thought was funny. I loved when he had his own opening title sequence. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so that kind of humor I liked. Um, but and maybe we'll get to know more um, in season three. It just I guess it was a little weird to me that t they picked two villains to team up with Stratos, you know, that that us fans know as villains. Like, I'm not sure why they didn't pick two maybe edgier heroes or something that they could have used for that. I don't know. I, I thought they them. would just, uh, they would turn on him 
I thought that's what it was building up to. Like they'd right. get there and Skeletor would be like, hey, do you want to come and work for me? And they'd be like, yep. And they just immediately <laughs> change teams. That's what I expected. Well, and like, why? why? Okay, so when, when Skeletor is defeated, you know, the he's kind of like weak and Beastman and Trapjaw are able to like, you know, be unhypnotized or whatever from the Havoc. Why, when they destroy the Ram Skull Staff, is Skeletor sucked into that scepter and becomes pure havoc? Like, why isn't like he transformed just back into Keldor and be powerless? That also confused me as to why we are now dealing with Ghost Havoc Skeletor. Oh, I thought it was when I watched it again. I noticed that he uses like a havoc beam from his hand to grab the staff so he's not originally sucked back but when he grabs onto it um like that's what pulls him back because he's linked to it at that point so before that he was okay okay because i know there was that flash of him like he started to turn back into keldor like i did see that in in the animation um but i was a bit confused as to why he ended up inside the staff. <laughs> I thought, um, going back to the Keldor thing, like in his birthday party episode, mm-hmm. um, oh, he seems like... <laughs> a sentence I didn't think I would ever hear myself. In the Skeletor birthday episode, <laughs> um, like he's like, Keldor is gone. And I thought that was going to link into like some character stuff for him later on where you find out that he actually can change back into Keldor, but he chooses not to. I wasn't sure what they were going for with that. Like, can is he powered up permanently or can he actually switch back and forth between the two? I, I want to say that episode, episode five, has got to be the single worst storytelling in <laughs> Masters of the Universe history I as far as I'm concerned. I, I did it too. So, you know, it, it, my pro, here's here's the thing. First of all, it's all stupid humor. There is nothing else in the episode, basically. And I hate this version of Man in Arms. I hate him so much. I hate him so much more after season two than I did after season one. And that's all, like basically this entire episode's all stupid humor plus all Man in Arms. And you, there's no escape for me. There's nothing. Yeah, just oh my god. I just I finished that episode. And put my phone away and needed to go about my day and do other things because I was like, that was when I texted our, our little group text and was like, I don't know if I'm going to be, be able to make it through this season because the, it was just so rock bottom for me. It was, God, but see, I just... there was some clever writing, though, that I liked in that episode where when he gets the wish stone back and we find out that he wished for family and Duncan, you know, ends up being sent back to like Prince Adam and Tila and all of that. So I, I loved the illustration uh, to like a young viewer, right? Mm-hmm. That um, family is what you make a family, not not necessarily just you're, you know, born into a family. I like that message. Yeah. And then I actually liked as a plot device not only did that give a good message to kids, but then it also served as a plot device that Skeletor ends up back at, you know, the palace of Eternos because his family is King Randor, his brother. So I thought that worked beautifully, mm. uh, writing-wise, Josh. <laughs> yeah, but it's like such a small like piece. I get it. 
I get it, and I don't don't really disagree. I know, but I like that. when Skeletor ate the last piece of the birthday cake as well. <laughs> and he admitted that the cake was good. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. <laughs> like, so part bad. of part of what I liked about it was like sometimes his facial expressions, Skeletor's facial expressions were really funny, and um, like he didn't want to show that he was enjoying mm-hmm. something, mm-hmm. or you know, it was just I just thought it was good. I thought it was it was pretty funny. I will say in uh, season one, I was a little iffy on. Uh, I mentioned this when we did Master's Cast review of season one. But I, I didn't love or hate really the Skeletor portrayal. It was kind of like, it's okay. I much preferred his, like, I feel like he, um, he, what's the word? Like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Got into a good groove. But yeah, he did a much better job in this one. He, like, um, made it, it it's a much more convincing skeletor portrayal than it was in season one so i like I, I that was a the one of the few positives for me in this season was like his uh his portrayal was much 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 more acceptable to me overall like in terms of the voice and the acting yeah i think he took it up a notch in this season yes mm-hmm. yeah he and he had some annoying. great lines yeah, uh, just gonna Polish say, I guess it. my favorite line of the series in his um in the birthday one where he he pushes Duncan out of the way to pick up the book and then he's like, "Yes, I did it. I can't read this." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you know what I think too. I don't have a problem with Duncan, and that's a good lead into that. Martin is that isn't that when Duncan is like. Oh, that's Trollin. Well, I can read a little bit of Trollin or or he like he gets real excited because like he's been studying it and stuff. I feel like that was me as a child. I would have been the one that's like, well, I read a book about Trollins before, so maybe I can <laughs> read it for you. Like I would get all excited and like so I th- I don't really find Duncan annoying. Plus he has really cool hair. <laughs> he does. <laughs> yeah, I don't mind Duncan. Also, I think it's funny that it was kind of revealed that he doesn't know um the uh, Avion language as well as he thinks he does. Yes. <laughs> his, his French or whatever. <laughs> I just thought that was a nice little touch. I really Ooh. wish we knew what he what he had actually said when yeah. he like, whispered in his ear. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I want to know. <laughs> it was still so funny. I uh, I will say in terms of the humor, there was one line that jumped jumped out at me as as like genuinely funny that I actually laughed and and it did not make me cringe, but I did think it was funny and you know to the point uh, I think too is it was it definitely aimed at older viewers like the parents of the kids watching this show, but it, nonetheless it was definitely um, amusing when I think it's the when they first. Or not long after, anyway, they've introduced uh, Manny faces, and they're like, "Is it like Manny or Man E faces?" And then, <laughs> and then uh, there's the line about, uh, "Well, he's gone through a lot of rebranding, personal rebranding lately," or something to that effect. And that made me laugh because it was like, "Okay, that's kind of funny," because that character's got a, always had a, a weird name that doesn't really work very well, like. <laughs> In, you know, if it was a, in real life, it, it's a strange name, right? So it was 
it was kind of funny. Aren't all that, the names that, in He-Man kind of strange, though. <laughs> well, all of them are a little bit off, but that one's like more than most, yes. right? Like it's some more than others. It's yeah. a stretch. Yeah. It's a much more of a stretch, especially for the early characters, right? You know, he's a fairly early character in the property, and so it's one of the the bigger stretches that they had early on. So that I that always thought it was laugh. clever. I have bad taste, <laughs> <laughs> but well, I thought he was. The portrayal of him in this show, though, I feel is the best media portrayal ever. Yes. Manny faces. Like, yeah. I really enjoyed how they wrote his character. And yeah, it and didn't sound like Stephen Fry to me. Like, I kept expecting. It yeah, it didn't at the beginning to me. And but you then, heard it later on? Yeah. Yeah. Because, I never did. I don't know why. I mean, he's he's basically the perfect person. Uh, to portray Manny faces because you know he's got the three different modes mm-hmm. and um when I listened to the audiobook series the Harry Potter all the audiobooks yeah. he was the one that was doing the narration mm-hmm. so I mean he's brilliant at different voices and um you know storytelling and stuff like that and that, I mean it's it's perfect for Manny faces this portrayal yeah um so he did I mean he did an awesome job his character Manny Faces, I would say Manny Faces and Stratos got the most character development of the new characters that we got. Yeah. Um, it, you're right, like Webstore and, and Mosquitorina or whatever, <laughs> whatever it was. <laughs> um, those were just kind of thrown in. But yeah. um, And even Stratos took a few episodes until you find out, you know, his motivations, like why he's so cocky and... You know, that he was born without wings, so he had to find other ways to um, work harder than everybody else and find other ways to to stand out and shine. And that's kind of, you know, his deal. I thought that was really cool. I, I really liked that origin for him. Yeah. Um, but yeah. But yeah, Manny Faces was awesome. Now, a question I had, and I wondered if any of you thought the same, because you know how my mind works. And I believe this is your episode eight, Josh. So you probably enjoyed the scene as well. There's um, a scene where Adam and Randor are uh, having a conversation. And uh, uh, Crass overhears, but she only hears part of the conversation, which is like mm-hmm. uh, you would interpret as negative. So she gets PO'd and leaves. But the conversation between Adam and Randor continue, and and they are talking in front of that family portrait that we talked about in season one, where we said, like, Queen Marlena looks like she's sad. It looks like there is a spot on the couch for maybe Mm -hmm. a missing child. Um, And the conversation... um, Implies Adora. (laughs) Yeah. Does it imply Adora? Because Adam says, you know, Crass is the closest thing I've ever had to a sister. And like, it's like, I swear they cut to Randor, who looks like he's about to cry, and says, like, your mother would be so proud of you right now. Like, because like Adam being kind of protective of a sister. And then, um, you know, and then Adam is like, well, what's my mom's name? Because I can't remember. And I'm so glad they confirmed, you know, it's Marlena. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, I immediately uh, went to the fact that they're referencing Adora. Now, I talked to another buddy of mine and he was like, no, I, di- I, I think you're strong. Oh, no, I, they definitely no I, I totally got it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. No, I don't think there's any question whether or not there will ever be Adora introduced or not. Who knows? But I 
think that was absolutely intentionally done. Yep. I completely missed it. Now that you said it, I'm like, oh my God, that should have been so obvious. I love yeah. it. But yeah, and then no, the whole time, the whole time they're talking in front of the portrait, which is there's an obvious space <laughs> there, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so I thought it was, yeah, it's definitely implied. Oh, that's brilliant. Yep. Now to take it one step further, the the end of the episode. When you find that the sorceress is somewhere that's it's snowing and there are these like mechanical things that are like about to go after her, not sorceress, but El- Eldris, right. like the, the original sorceress. Do we know what those robots are? Um, because I can't place them. And, you know, when I see robots and technology, I think... Horde. So I'm like, are these like monstroids? Has the Eldris gone some like when she had the wishing stone, right? Did she wish to find Adora? Like, you know, I like I don't know. Like my mind just kind of went there because obviously that's where I want it to go, which I don't think it'll go that way. But I'm just trying to figure out like, you know, what were those robots? Yeah, they look like something out of the Matrix. It was really odd. I, I'm. This is a, a massive reach. As as always, once a year, I have to do my new adventures reach. But, um, <laughs> do it. At, at the end of the last season, Eldris did say, and so a new adventure begins. And then she disappears, yes. and we find out that she is certainly, to my recollection, she was in space. Um, oh, that's true. She was. She, it looks what it looked grabs, like. Yeah, and then she arrives at the end with these machines following her I, I wasn't clear on whether she knew they were behind her i got the impression that she didn't um but my mind just went to oh it's space perhaps it's a new adventures thing and it's the mutants rather than the horde because mm. they would be using the horde in a potential season two of revelation and maybe someone behind the scenes was like okay we've got the horde you can have the snake men and the mutants, but we we want Hordak for our show, <laughs> or something like that. That was that was my theorizing for this. I season. still say I would like that more if they can't use Shira and Adora. Like maybe those hints were just hints, right? Just for us, like we know what they're talking about. I would actually love to see an updated portrayal of the, of the of the mutants because we've never had it. Except, you know, mm-hmm. classics, bios or whatever. They are, yeah. They're out there and they're, they're a usable faction, particularly like the mutants, I would say, like the Galactic Guardians are kind of a little dull from a design standpoint. <laughs> but um, the mutants have some really cool designs and I can see them working very well in this animation style. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the way I saw that ending, I think she knew that they were following her and they were actually following her, not trying to chase her or kill her or anything um but i could be wrong that was just the way i interpreted that scene so that would be interesting if she was because didn't she say like oh and now the final battle begins or Mm -hmm. something along those lines so i thought this was maybe another kind of army she's bringing with her to help them oh so she's been like recruiting yeah maybe that would be interesting i like that recruiting yeah because i thought she would end up where the the mer people are mm-hmm. but like why would they be in a land of snow yeah, yeah. that didn't make sense no 
So maybe like He Man and them will find the Mer people, and then she'll show up with whatever or whoever that thing is. Those things are. So I have a question for you guys too. Uh, another thing, this is uh, brought was brought home to me in season two. I I think we talked a little bit about this, and it's related to it last time. I think it's a little bit related to what I was saying before that I don't really like the everybody gets to transform now uh, thing because I think it dilutes uh, Adam slash He-Man's importance to the story if he's still supposed to be in the main character. And I was, you know, I was going along with it for a while, but then in this season, we get the scene where I believe it's when he's facing off with Stratos because they're having their little tiff and he's like, I am the you know leader of the masters of the universe and i kind of wish that this scene wasn't there because i i think that i could have accepted a lot of the rest of it that i don't particularly care for a bit better but like he when he says that my reaction is why you really are not like you're not terrible but you are not other apart from you were once a prince and sort of kind of still are, but you were away from that for a long time and whatever you are not. You, he doesn't the way Adam is portrayed in this does not strike me as the one that should be the leader. Right. If anything, I would say Tila slash sorceress has more leadership qualities in her character. She would be the natural leader of the group. And if he, I, I kind of wish that that scene just wasn't there at all because it, establishing it so definitively that he is the leader. Now we're going to say it out loud. It's already implied by the name of the show and whatever, but by saying it out loud, it sort of makes me like, yeah, but why? Like, it's just because we need a leader and you've been the he-man has been the leader for 40 years of this property. So he's just the leader. Don't question it. And I that kind of falls flat for me as well. I thought he was just doing the whole, I am Adam, Prince of Eternia, defender of the secrets of Crystal Castle. Or, no, this is when Adam. he's kicking Stratos Crystal. out. Yeah. Remember Stratos is like. So he says something about being like the not the leader or something, but like the heroic warriors. And then right. Adam is like, actually, it's He Man and the Masters of the Universe. Okay, yeah, he specifically says, scene. "And I am the leader of the Masters of the Universe." Like he specifically mm -hmm. yeah. lays that out. But then and he also has Crass egging him on. Yeah, yeah she, I guess but she I really doesn't like Stratos and wants him yeah. to kick Stratos out. Well, I think, yeah. too, you run into that problem, right? I totally agree with you, Josh. Tila slash Sorceress would Even be my de facto him, leader. Man-at-arms would be a better leader. Like, <laughs> just in terms of the characterizations that they have built to this point, he is, like, Prob maybe Kress maybe is the last choice, maybe. But even that, I'm, like, I feel like Kress and Adam are about the same in terms of whether they're qualified to be the leader, right? Like I, even as much as I dislike Duncan's character, I think in terms of character qualities to be a leader, he would be a better choice than it. Like it just doesn't make any sense. Well, I think, me. well, you know, it's that it's the tale of, well, we all know this stuff because he's the main character, but Adam has the sword. So he has the main weapon. He's the one sharing the power, if I'm recalling season one correctly, with the others. Maybe mm -hmm. not Crass, but that also confused me because I thought in season one, 
Adam is sharing the power with his friends. Like that was like, that was what set him apart from say King Grayskull or something. And that's why like no one had used the power for so long. Cause it was, you know, power corrupts or whatever. But in the last episode, Crass, you know, we basically find out that that crystal in Crass's helmet has havoc in it. So like, did she need, she doesn't need the power of, Adam, right? Because she changes into the evil person. So that confused me as well. You know, like uh, scientific logistics of this power. <laughs> how, <laughs> it's how not well I, defined yeah. and it's yeah. problematic in many areas. And I mean, this kind of goes back again to the, the storytelling stuff. Like it's not, it doesn't seem like this was well thought out. Like in, in, um, in terms of like we're building a ser- we're world building as they as they would call it if you're writing like a fantasy mm-hmm. novel or whatever right we're we're world world building here and it seems like so many pieces of this were much less well thought out than pretty much almost any incarnation we've had of masters up to date right like whether you're talking about filmation or 2002 or anything i feel like those worlds were much more were built on a much solider foundation and this one's just kind of all over the place to me well i even get as technical as so i don't know if you guys notice but like okay you know how like in the episode like sorceress can do like you know wings of zor and that bird comes well if she and and he-man combine their powers they get that other bird which was like a falcon or something it's explained in the character guide um but again my question was but if adam is the one siphoning power off to tila to become the sorceress like why does if she's combining with him it's the same power like i i guess i'm overthinking it because it's a kid's show um, but given we're so deep in like, you know, He-Man and She-Ro mythos. Yeah, but like, you're not because I, I we didn't know. have and still don't have these kinds of questions with other incarnations, right? Like they're yeah. better defined. This show is not well defined. Like it's all over the map in and not as consistent, um, at least to this point, you know, maybe they'll pull a rabbit out of their hat and all these things will make sense. But I don't think that's what's coming because I don't think the show is well enough written for that to be the case. Well, I I guess I kind of see your point on that because I was even a little bit confused on the sigil of Hiss. First off, because I totally thought sigil meant like, you know, like some pyramid or something that maybe he was like buried in. Yeah, but it was I when I looked it up, I was like, oh, it would help if you knew the definition of the word and then you would uh, understand the plot better. <laughs> and I loved how they looked like the Triforces, you know, from Zelda, because I always thought those were cool. Um, but like the fact that like they were attracted to each other, but you could I guess I was confused as to why they always weren't just pulling to each other, because like, why were they able to have one hidden in that train? Why didn't it just break out of the train and reunite with the other pieces. Why, you know what I mean? Cause the, anytime one of the people obtained them, they kept wanting to go to the other pieces. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the speaking of the train too, like I, this is just personal taste, but like, no, just no, not on Eternia. Like, <laughs> right. Just, I agree. I agree. Right. Eternia. Oh, it doesn't, it doesn't and, belong there. So, 
It sounds like we're being negative on this, but I actually still, you know, I liked it. But what what was that big giant dragonfly or whatever it was? Gary. What was the point of that? Oh, can I just tell you I hated that dragonfly? Yeah, Yeah, like I hated it. And it's like they had opportunities to use like an updated at least toy from original Masters. Like there's a toy that would fit that perfectly. But like, what was the point to that? I just... Yeah, I thought I just I thought that episode was mostly filler. Yeah. And that it was like a filler character. And I was really disappointed to see that Stratos had recruited him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for his team at the end. <laughs> I think that's my only note for that episode is Gary the Dragonfly, LOL. Like, yeah, he was kind of funny and like that voice actor has done a ton of stuff. That I recognize. Maybe, yeah. maybe yeah. since the snake men are coming, maybe that's going to be uh, Tongue Lasher's little pet or something eventually. Like, <laughs> he'll betray them. And because Tongue Lasher had that little dragonfly guy. Remember? Oh, interesting. I would but there was a toy. Right? The, uh, the Fright Fighter. Isn't that what it was called? You know, I'm not the best toy person, but it basically is like a big uh, dragonfly. Like, at least if they would have, like, incorporated that or something. I don't know. Mm -hmm. That was my problem. It just seemed rather random. Yeah, I would agree with that. So much about this show is random. Skeletor wearing a birthday hat. (laughs) That was hilarious. It was was hilarious. (laughs) Playing Orco Polo. (laughs) This is like if Saturday Night Live was going to do a sketch making fun of Masters, these are the types of stupid things that would be part of that sketch. This is how I feel about it. That's not what I want from a Masters show, like personally. It's just not. Well, I don't know if you ever saw it, Josh, but Saturday Night Live did make fun of He-Man and She-Ra. I heard about it. I don't think I ever actually saw it. It was, you know, it was crude humor. So I don't, I think you would appreciate Skeletor in a birthday hat more than... (laughs) Yes. <laughs> then the SNL could, skit they did. Worse. It could be worse. Yeah. <laughs> Not that it wasn't funny, but again, that context is this was, you know, it was to be funny for adults, the SNL right. sketch. Right, right. Um, yeah. But <laughs> I liked some of the nicknames, I guess. So, like, Beastman starts calling Skeletor Skelly, yeah. which is hysterical to me because we call our cat Skeletor Skelly all the time. Um, although it was a little inconsistency in the subtitles, like the first time he does it, it's Skelly with a Y on the end. And then every other episode after that, it's Skelly IE on the end. And I'm like, no, I like the Y. That's how I always spell it in my head, but whatever, nitpicking. Um, then somebody calls Dinky or it calls Duncan Dinky. I forget who, but it was funny to me. Um, somebody calls He-Man Wee Man. Um, <laughs> That might have been Skeletor. Yeah. Uh, and then Orko, when the other bots are coming around, they call him Designate 1983. And I was just like, oh my God, 1983. That's amazing. <laughs> the whole Orkening thing was was pretty funny to me. But... I have a question, question for you guys. I would like some clarity on uh, not being able to have seen this part because the way... I, when when you're watching the show with audio description, like it's they have very very limited space to speak 
uh, because yeah. they don't want to step all over the dialogue and everything. So you you don't really get a lot of description or whatever. You have to sort of read between the lines and draw your own conclusions kind of thing from a lot of what's going on. The way I I understand maybe it's probably stylized differently, but am I right in my understanding that Avion is basically Cloud City from Star Wars, essentially? Because uh, that's basically what it sounds like when they're describing the action. So that it's this big city on platforms in the sky or something. And I'm just like... It's really? kind of similar, um, except like the platforms are more like crystallized. And okay. um, like there's a big waterfall that's running from the, the central tower. Mm -hmm. um, so it's it's a lot like in, in the 2000 or the Mike Young Productions version, it was more rocky. Well, yeah, it was supposed to be up in the Mount Mystic Mountains, I thought. Yeah. Right? Like it's not Whereas, supposed to be floating in the yeah, air. Yeah, is in in this it's floating and it's, yeah, it's more see, like it, crystalline. Yeah. You know, I definitely prefer things. the concept of it being up in the mountains somewhere as opposed to Florida. Cause they, at that point it just, to me, it was just like, really, we're doing cloud city. Okay. Like I just, <laughs> I don't know. It to was me, just it like, was like, I don't remember the name of it, but where rainbow dash is from in the new my little pony series. Um, there's a name for that area, but it's all floating. It's just mostly clouds and stuff, but it's yeah but it's the ones that fly that's where they live so it makes sense so to me this was like yeah it's the species that fly why shouldn't they be up in the clouds yeah I it mean, didn't it, it's me. whatever it didn't bother me super uh, like a lot it was just like i don't know it felt more original when it was like oh the bird people live up in the mountains far away from me. you know i don't know i just felt it, it, this felt derivative of other things more than just the original concept did gotcha but also didn't did not care for the Oh, He-Man's not going to make it. He's flapping his arms like that's going to help. Like, really? More stupid humor? Really? Like, really? God. There were so many things like that that just made me cringe so, so often. Okay, you but have here's to remember my... he's young. Yeah. Like... If, if, you, if you were a child, like, if you were a child, would this appeal to you? I think Yes. I'm sure it like, does to some kids. For me, as a kid, I don't think it would have because the, like, I, I don't know, maybe bits Well, but a child would. of today, not like, I don't think yeah, this no, would have in the 80s, but like, I just feel the attempt is well done for children. It's not yeah. like it's Thundercats Roar. <laughs> yeah. like I, I don't I see I I think I don't know I think it it for a certain but, type of child sure but that's true for any show right yeah. like it's going to appeal not going to no well, one show is going to appeal to all kids right and I agree the writing can still be stronger because like it was in the 80s yeah and well <laughs> even in in like uh let's say more modern uh television for children uh that I can think of there were clear differences or quality in shows on, uh, and I'm talking about maybe the last like 15 years of like Disney Channel versus Nickelodeon, right. and they each kind of had their sort of style. Nickelodeon was always a bit more edgy and cruder, where Disney Channel was more kind of moral and wholesome. 
love yourself type thing. So like uh, to me, the quality of the Disney Channel was always higher than Nickelodeon, but that didn't mean that the Nickelodeon stuff wasn't also definitely entertaining for kids. If that yeah, let sense. me let me yes, but let me uh, jump off of your first point though that that you where this began right with the. This, I'm sure, appeals to certain kids, right? Certain kinds of kids. The uh, the 80s show, and really the 2002, or basically most versions of Masters up until this point, was compared to the shows around it for those eras, and, and uh, speaking mostly of the 80s one, right? Like, there was humor in the 80s Masters show. No question, right? Like Orko and Skeletor and the, the stuff. There were funny moments for sure. And silly things that happened and flowers for Hordak and all that good stuff. Okay, so that stuff existed, right? But the show's aesthetic and the storytelling, right, that we got was a little darker and a little grittier than Inspector Gadget or Thundercats or whatever, right? It was, it had a certain serious this to it that was sort of baked into the concept this show would not appeal to that segment of the audience that is growing up now this is much this is appealing to kids that would prefer the the sillier thing and i'm not saying they don't exist there were kids that enjoyed you know sillier shows back in the day it was one of the reasons why i didn't like uh the real ghostbusters as a kid as much as a lot of my, my friends did and people that i knew did because it was it tipped a little further in that than it did to my taste. So I'm not saying there aren't kids that are going to love the show. There are, but it's definitely a different segment of that demographic than what previous master shows were aiming for, right? Like it's aiming for the kids that want the silly over the gritty more so than than the past incarnations have and it's, it's like it's fine i think new adventures was kind of the same way too and it's probably a lot of why i didn't like it as much either so but this takes it to a whole other level yeah i mean you also have other elements too like with um that whole sequence of um he-man and stratos you know in competition with each other you know, you've got the rings like from like Sonic the Hedgehog or something. It's like a, kind of like a video game element um, to it. And then like later on when uh, Trapjaw and Beastman are facing off against each other, they're doing a total video game like, yes, you know, like the start of the game where the characters are like posing and, you know, before before the round starts or whatever. Yes. And the music changes and it's like a video game thing. Like, so it's. You know, I, I appreciated all that stuff because I thought it was it was fun and, you know, I could see what they were going for. It's, it's you know, humor and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I just I, I enjoyed it. I mean, can we can we imagine just just for example, just for an example, can we imagine an episode of this show? That is like this show's equivalent of something like the sleepers awake or Dawn of Dragoon, or some of those episodes in the in the filmation series that had some really dark themes around them. I just don't see this show ever tackling stuff like that. Not not to that level, right? Like yeah. we got a little bit of it in like episode eight, kinda, but like it's it's just not that show and it's not for the kids that 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 is appealing. It's just not it's it's not. 
it's but i think that's okay like there's other shows oh, it's okay for people for... to like it like i'm not saying this is a bad show i'm saying it's not for me so yeah and that's totally okay um i'm not like digging at you for it not being for you like obviously <laughs> um everyone's entitled to their opinion but i'm just saying they're kids are not just watching this show they're watching multiple shows if they are tv watchers and but they probably have another show that's a little more cerebral gets in darker themes makes you think a little harder um but then this is just kind of a refreshing sugary like sugar rush maybe um where you just get a lot of just oh, this is just relaxing. And honestly, in 2022, I don't know about the kids, but I need something like this <laughs> yeah, to just freaking laugh. Fun. Yes. Like, I don't need more seriousness in my life right now. And maybe kids don't either. Maybe they've had too much seriousness for the last two years and they just need something fun and goofy. Um, so maybe that was one of the thoughts behind this. I honestly have no idea, but I'm just... Uh, giving someone maybe a benefit of the doubt as to one of the motivations behind it, maybe. Um, but yeah, I, I think kids can like both. I think kids can have like another show that feeds what you're talking about. Like we had in filmation in the eighties and then they can also enjoy this show at this, you know, right afterwards, yeah. like they watch them back to back and like one feeds one part of their brain, one feeds another part and they're, full and absolutely happy. but this is a huge departure for this franchise is yeah is my point i want to disagree with that yeah but but in a way i'm glad because like we just went through you know revelation which was a totally you know different thing for this i feel like it's it's refreshing mm -hmm. and i felt that i could enjoy it more because it was so different yeah, something different, and it it's I'm not jealous. taking itself <laughs> too seriously. And I don't know. I feel more open minded towards it because it is so different, and it's you know it's not trying to to be darker and, and edgier. Yeah, and, and that's stuff. more what how I ended up feeling about the Princesses of Power show. Like, because when we saw the trailer for that, I thought, oh, this is going to be a train wreck, right? Like, I hated that first trailer for the Shira show and but really ended up liking the show so um I get where you're coming from for me they walked the that line perfectly for me personally in that mm -hmm. show and missed it on this one yeah I think I think the Shira show was like a perfect balance I think yeah of that yes yeah 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 like I have quibbles with the show overall but like the show itself was really well done and well written and a really good balance of of the goofy side and the darker serious side like it was so perfectly done and i just i wish that was what this show is and it just isn't even remotely close to that for me so i wonder if maybe um you know this would, this would have been production i guess at the same time as revelation and maybe the two crews were looking at what the other is doing and going, uh, hey, we've, we've got an episode in Revelation where uh, Evelyn, um, you know, goes to have sex with Skeletor and Castle Grayskull. How about that? And <laughs> like the crew on this were like, well, we've we've got an episode about Skeletor's birthday party. So, you know. 
You do yeah, what you're doing. It's you do two what you extremes <laughs> that, <laughs> that are really not helping their causes, in my opinion, right? Like, I like Revelation better, but I still don't think it was great, right? Like, especially the second half was not, like, had writing problems as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, yeah, n- neither is, is doing it to their credit going in one extreme or the other, like... Like Leon just said, the Shira show had the perfect balance, and that's that's what I think I would have preferred in this yeah. show. Maybe we'll get a third He-Man show at some point, and it will be. <laughs> I'm the, sure we will between. eventually. Yeah. Well, I'm hoping that season three, given the where it ended, right? So we know the snake. We know 100% Snake Men because they came up out of the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think. I'm hoping that season three kind of continues what Josh liked in that finale of episode eight, because I do think they're going to have to tie up a lot of loose ends in yeah. season three. So, you know, we're probably going to find out the mystery of, you know, Crass's helmet gem and perhaps maybe a bit more um, on the power. Because remember, originally Skeletor still wished to be in Castle Grayskull. Um, which is how he ended up in Josh's f- second favorite episode, the birthday party <laughs> one. So oh, I, I do think that there's, it's just, I think it's that symptom of it's this, it's the part in the middle and it's just usually, you know, act one and act three. Cause you know, you got the, the beginning and the end and you got to fill the middle with some stuff. So I think that's kind of what it was, what it was feeling, even though I did. I, I, enjoy I, season two. I get it. I get it. I think there is a bit of a disconnect though, because like in, in 2022 or 2021 or 2020, the 21st century, we have much shorter, especially for animation, we have much shorter TV seasons than we did. Yeah. I find it much harder to excuse the middle part being iffy or boring or not as well written or whatever, right? Like nowadays, right? We have 130 episodes of the Filmation series. And you know what? There are some truly god-awful episodes in Filmation. But I think we have hit like probably that equal number for this show already in 18. And it's like, it shouldn't be that way. They, they, they're not producing 65 episodes in, you know, nine months or whatever, where of course that's too high a volume and too short a time. And you're going to have some terrible things. They have time uh, enough and they should have story ideas enough that I'm not willing to excuse this as the middle section in terms of it being less good than the other ones. And I mean, I kind of felt that way for that one section of the she show where we had like five or six episodes that were like, meh, that were, but there, the other 46 episodes were really, really good. So it was like, kind of like you could, you could kind of um, move past it. At least I could a bit better. We've only had 18 episodes of this show and we've already had some, like in my opinion, I know we all disagree, but like in my opinion, like truly episodes that were truly not up to par writing is truly not up to par when you're not producing that many episodes in, in this century for a TV season. It's harder to excuse. I get your point. 
I'm still laughing at twirl me, please. <laughs> yeah, for me, I think there's only a couple episodes I could say that I was just kind of mad about so far in this show. Everything yeah. else I've enjoyed. Yeah. But and pain Thor, come on, that's funny. <laughs> that is funny. He just wanted a battle cat. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I hope in season three he gets an actual cat. Yeah. <laughs> and let me tell you guys, I am so envious that you guys are getting something out of this show. Like, I want that so bad. So <laughs> I am super jealous. I, before watching season two, or I might have seen the first episode, I ordered a few of the figures from this show. I think I'm going to go ahead and leave that order in so I can at least see what the toys look like. Um, but if I had waited, like I probably wouldn't have even ordered those, like after I'd seen the season or whatever, it's like, it's left a really bad taste in my mouth, but listening to you guys talk about the things you liked about it. Like, I'm so jealous, like, cause I, I really do want to like the show. I well, remember really too, to, you may actually goes, really enjoy the toys, <laughs> even though you don't like the show. I hope so. I yeah. Hope so. so there is always that, like, I like some, um, where am I going with this? Revelation. Like I, I, yeah, I like some revelation toys, but I just didn't like how the character was portrayed in the show. Right, 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 right. Exactly. So like I ordered uh human sorceress, Skeletor and another villain, but Trapjaw, I think it was. Yeah. That sounds like the early. I wave. think that's what, I think it, that's what it was. So I ordered those four and, um, We'll see. And if I end up liking them, great. Maybe I'll pick up a few more and just try to disconnect them from this show. So, uh, and that's fine. Like I can, I can try to enjoy them that way. Yeah. So what do we all think about the crass thing? I was just thinking about that. And I remember when Skeletor started talking to her, you know, go Skeletor. And she's not telling anybody. And I'm like, oh, my God, it's Harry Potter and Chamber of Secrets again, where he's not telling Dumbledore that he can hear voices in the walls. It's like if you are hearing or seeing or both a thing that nobody else can hear or see, freaking tell somebody, tell a friend, tell a trusted ally. Stop tell keeping friend, it to if yourself. if you're hearing voices, this is today's moral story. <laughs> like when I first watched it, I thought her turning bad was rushed. Yeah. And to me, like, not like it came out of nowhere really, but I was just kind of surprised. Like I didn't think that it, it didn't mesh as well for me. Mm -hmm. um, but I do think her costume looks like way better with the green and everything. And when yeah. she transforms with the havoc stuff. Um, but when I rewatched it the second time, I mean, there are little, they plant little seeds throughout it. Yeah, like Skeletor mentioning the stone. Yeah, and then her like wanting to know, you know, the secrets of, you know, where the stone came from and all of that, mm -hmm. which I thought was a nice conversation that she had with Stratos because she always seemed to hate him. And then they kind of came to an understanding, I thought, in that episode, which was cool. Yeah. Now, now um, I hadn't thought of it at the time, but you mentioned the whole Chamber of Secrets type uh parallel there i wonder almost if that was intentional for 
that given the fact that like the big bad at the end of Chamber of Secrets is the the big serpent, right? The basilisk. Oh my god, you're and right. And we're going into the snake <laughs> men now. So I kind of wonder if that was like deliberately done as sort of a little homage to the that particular portion of the Harry Potter story. That would be funny. Well, I'm just trying to think of what the what's the evil reveal going to be with her. Like, is it? It can't be Ram Man is evil. I, I that doesn't work for me. Is she? I think somehow... she's going to turn good again by the end. Right, but like, it's obvious though that that like there's havoc in that gem that her dad had. Right. So like, where where did the gem come from? Maybe, maybe isn't it she interesting will be... that Adam's only sister in the show also relies on a gem for mm. um, interesting. Well, you know how now she's supposed to be the fifth nemesis. Yes. Cause she's her own worst enemy. I love that by the way. Yeah. yeah. Well, it, I mean, it may be like, they keep going back um, in masters. They did, they did it first, I think in 2002 and they revisited it, comics and whatever, right. Where, where uh man at arms gets converted by the snake man into a snake man and uh, snake man and all that uh, stuff. And that he never, he never does turn good again. So maybe, maybe Crass is the uh, sacrificial hero this time that will turn evil with the snake men or something. But that seems too dark for this show. So probably not. But would you like it if that, if that happens? Uh, um, I'd rather they did it to man at arms because I really hate him. <laughs> <laughs> I like Cross better. So I. <laughs> Well, I mean, Crass has always kind of felt out of place, you know, since the beginning. Yeah. So I, I guess it, you know, makes sense that she would be more easily turned. Yeah. But I'd rather they get it to Man Arms. That would be much better. <laughs> Let's do that. I actually, like, I finished one. Of, I forget. I think it was maybe, maybe it was the birthday episode. I forget. One of the episodes. And I was watching it on my phone and the episode ended. I turned out the photo. I, I turned to my wife and I just said, please let them kill man in arms. <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I just want him gone. There is something about his character. I don't like the changes they made in general, but it goes beyond that. There's just something about the character that rubs me the wrong way. And I just don't want any more of that character. <laughs> more so than anybody what? else like i am i i actually like um tila and crass probably the best of the masters like the core four of them or whatever like adam is just whatever like i don't really like or dislike him he's fine and i hate man at ours i think of the main group tila still it, it was after season one still is like that is the best character as far as i'm concerned in this show I like mm -hmm. her the best, which was one of the reasons why I decided the Sorcerer's Figure was one of the ones I was going to have to get because she's the one character that like, and pretty, in some ways, pretty dramatically different than any version of Tila slash Sorcerer's. So I think took two characters and combined them into one essentially mm -hmm. for this show. And yet, um, and yet like by far my favorite character of this series, like just hands down, there's just... She's great. So, Josh, I have a question for you. Mm -hmm. um, have you watched Cobra Kai? What is it? Cobra Kai on Netflix. It's the Karate no. Kid spinoff. Oh, no. Um, I think I heard about it somewhere, but I have not seen it now. Okay. 
It's amazing, FYI, at least in my opinion. But there is a character named Dimitri in that show. And especially in the first episode of season two of this He-Man, even his voice sounded just like Dimitri to me. Like I had to look it up and make sure it wasn't the same actor doing his voice. And and it it wasn't, but their personalities are very similar in some in in some ways. Um, So I... I'm just, I still can't figure out why you hate Duncan so much. (laughs) He's just super nerdy. And there's something about him that's rubbing me the wrong way. I wish I could articulate it better because I'm not, I'm not exactly sure what it is. There is like, part of it is just that he's, I think the biggest departure from, for any of the characters actually from the original incarnation. And I acknowledge that that is part of it. But he just annoys me. There's just something whiny and irritating in his voice that that I I don't I can't tell you exactly exactly what it is, but it just drives me crazy. It just drives me nuts. Okay. Well, if any of our listeners feel the same way, please let us know because I would just that'd be, be interesting to know. Like, am I alone in this? Like, yeah. Because <laughs> I can I can tolerate. Or like almost everybody else, it's just something with him that just even Orko. I don't like this Orko. I would prefer we had a like real Orko that I thought that we were going to get because yeah. this is not this is fake Orko. This is faker yeah. Orko. And <laughs> I, I hope I still am holding out hope that maybe real Orko will come into it and that will make everything better. But God, I didn't. Yeah, I don't really like this Orko. But even even the, the what they've done with Orko doesn't bother me nearly as much as my arms does wow yeah i don't know why that surprises me but it just does because yeah i don't love this orco either oh i think he's okay i I think he's cute he is cute i just he's i don't know there's something missing the only thing that i like about this orco since they went this route and they made him a robot and kind of what delusional or schizophrenic or whatever right <laughs> he thinks that he is orco the real orco and he's not but i do love the uh, in this season i don't think they did it in season one or if they did they didn't tell us about it in the audio description but i loved the little thing where he'd like pop up the question mark or the exclamation marks or whatever on his oh, screen yeah. when he's surprised or confused or whatever right like uh, it's like okay well if you're gonna go that way then that's good use of the this concept but i just yeah i don't like i don't like this orco either yeah but you know orco is like we talked about during the revelations episode he's such a tricky character like mm-hmm. a revelation did a really good job but mike young which i love did not like orco in general in mike young i don't care for that portrayal of orco very much with a few exceptions part of it's the voice acting i didn't like yeah the voice, the voice acting orco is what does it for me yeah it, it kind of kills it into the, the 2002 series uh, but some of it was also just the portrayal like orca went from being childlike to childish i think i've made that point on this podcast before but it wasn't always that way because like lessons which was the episode that uh larry detilia wrote that all centered around orco it was like, oh, there's our old Orko. He's being portrayed the way Orko should be portrayed. And that was like better. So it's like, it's a, tri- it's a tricky character to get just right, at least for me. And I think it was pretty well done in Revelation and not so well done in 2002. And this one, they didn't even really try. It was like, 
let's just make a completely different Urko. And he thinks he's the real Urko, but he's actually not. And we don't even have to deal with trying to get it right. And that's well, I like of, that because think of like all the humor that's already in this series. I just, you know, they always default like, you know, there's going to be that humor, you know, kid character relief with Orko, much like a Jar Jar Binks. Hmm. Um, I don't, I think it would have been overload if the, if, if he was Orko Orko in mm-hmm. this one. I think that's why I appreciate the kind of oddly unique, you know, thing where he kind of downloaded the original Orko and thinks he's the original Orko. Um I, I like that. I, I thought that was actually a a very creative point uh, in this series, more so than, you know, your I sleep with one eye open type humor. <laughs> yeah. Plus, also, I like his the pep talk he gave to the other bots. Yeah. When he said that, you know, they're they're not the real Orko, but they could be whatever Orko they wanted to be or whatever. Mm-hmm. And the one was like saying how he could be a disappointment. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they could have also funny. like taken this, this, like if they had not wanted to go the robot version, right? And like made this more like, like traditional Orko, just toned down the comedic relief thing. Cause Orko has had those episodes in the past where his comedic relief was not the focus of the, you know, of that episode um, portrayal of him in that moment, right? Like, so he's had his more serious moments. Like, when I was a kid, Orko, uh, while, you know, I got it, he's funny, and I would laugh at the stupid things that he would do and silly things that would happen to him and whatever, right? But, like, Orko, when I, when I was a kid and didn't really, you know, wasn't analyzing things to the the point that we do now as 40-somethings or whatever on this podcast... Well, and you know, like, oh, you got to have the kid child relief uh, or uh, comic relief uh, type character like Slimer or Narf or whatever, right? Like uh, with Orca, Orca always struck me as like the, oh, it's the master's version of Yoda, <laughs> right? Like, when I was a kid, <laughs> it kind of looks a little like Yoda and like whatever, right? Like that was sort of like when I was four or five, like that was my view of him and they could have done something more like that with Orko in this show if they wanted to tap down the comedy thing but you know either way um I agree I if they had just done straight up comic relief Orko it would have just been even the show would have been even worse but I think too so many characters in this show have uh, f- um as a simple way to put it magical powers whereas <laughs> so it kind of makes Orko a little less unique as well if they were to yeah. you know because you, you know like Tila's never really Tila anymore right she's usually powered up as the sorceress like things like that even Duncan has his you know I don't know what to call them energy blast things that happen from his his powers and things like that so I don't you know, know. I, 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 I can think... see your point though they could still have had him not be a robot it could right. have still been, you know, Orko, but uh, at least they it referenced could have been the more Orko the Great or Orko the Oracle or some other, you know, but but they didn't go that way. You know, I, I want to bring up just one last uh, quick thing um, as well. I had mentioned this uh, when I, I was talking to a friend of mine last week about this show as I was trying to get through the this season. And um, one of the things that... Um, I think that really is uh, missing for me in this show. This isn't so much a complaint; it's just a 
uh, a reason why it falls a little flat for me is kind of what you were just saying about the comedic thing, but it's also in the in the power thing in the in the we talked about it in terms of the transformations, but also just in terms of what can you do with these characters, right? The fact that everybody powers up through the power of Grayskull, I think, diminishes in to a large degree. All these other characters, same thing on the villain side with the the havoc that that Skeletor uses transform all of them, right? Like in traditionally in Masters, he, uh, Prince Adam holds up the sword, becomes He Man, the most powerful man in the universe. Everyone else is so good at whatever their talents are that they are either able to keep up with stand side by side with he-man if they're on the hero side or stand toe-to-toe with he-man the most power man in the universe and battle it out right adam is the one that needs kind of the the boost up because he's just a kind of a normal guy normal human whatever and everyone else, like, you know, Tila's good with weapons or, you know, in her training and she's made it through the Royal Guard and Duncan's a good inventor and whatever, right? They don't need to be boosted up and they're still good enough to stand side by side with this superhero, right? And I think that in a lot of ways is a way better message than what this show is, which is like, hey, you get the power and you get the power and you get the power. And it's like, it kind of... um it, it kind of becomes repetitive and I think in a lot of ways diminishes the the message of these characters were were kind of great in their own right and didn't need the power. And even with Adam in that case, you know, Adam was human in, in classic versions or whatever as the he was, you know, by far the one that made the most uh, the best decisions the most moral decisions right like that was kind of the thing that he excelled at and in order to to properly wield the this huge power that he got he tapped into who he was as adam right and all of those kind of really great messages are just lost in this show and that makes me a little bit sad uh watching it as well in in the way that they've handled those kinds of aspects and those kinds of messages. I don't blame it though. It goes, it goes with today's kind of audience of, you know, being inclusive and, and things like that. So it's while you're seeing it as like, Oh, now it's like, you got the power, you got the power, but they're trying to illustrate that, you know, you don't have to be He-Man to have the power you know, crass. She's, you know, a master of demolition. But you, you do. Know. You do in this show. You do. He's the one sharing the power. So you right, do. Right, but that's, to me, that's a good be message because he's he's not being selfish and keeping it all for himself, you see? Like, he's he's sharing it amongst his friends for the greater good. But they, they in the in classic versions, were already good enough they didn't need to be powered up. No, right? I agree with you the there, but I don't think that with him. I don't think that message I don't think that message conveys the same way in today's society. Well, uh, maybe, but that's I, what, I think that's why they did sad. this. You know, it's more of a <laughs> like a Power Ranger kind of uh, interpretation of it. Hmm. You know, where they're all like like it, like Power Rangers, right? Like the Red Ranger is usually always the leader. But that doesn't mean like so. That's your Adam or He-Man character, 
but the other ones all have very similar, you know, they might have a different weapon, a different Zord, but like you can kind of see yourself in that type of position through them. I just think that was easier when the differences between them were more defined, right? Like we're, we're being more inclusive by saying like your talent might be somewhere else. You don't need the power of Grayskull. You're a great inventor or you're a great warrior in your own right. You're captain of the guard or you're a great whatever it is, right? Like you're good enough with the talents that you have to stand, you know, alongside this great, powerful hero, right? Well, I, I wouldn't think that, be surprised that though, if, they, if they do that, but say, you know, uh, they'll, how am I phrasing this? I could see in season three, they end up winning whatever war or whatever happens in their true forms rather than powered up as He-Man, sorceress and things like that because they'll they might want to show that kind of message that see you always had it inside the power just let you see that and enhanced what you already had i could see that being a message that's eventually shown well, mm -hmm. we'll see but i i i think it i think uh the idea of you're good enough as you were is a better message than just let's give everybody the power but that's you know just just me <laughs> I think in the second to last, I guess episode seven, at one point, I think it's Tila who says it, um, says Grayskull has the power. Yes. And I wasn't quite sure why, but I was like, oh, that's cool. Uh, it's different. I don't think that phrase has ever been uttered before in any previous Masters thing. So I just wrote yeah. it down because I was like, I don't really understand what that's for, but hey, that's cool. <laughs> I think that's the pro like a problem we all have with it. Not a problem, but... Uh, we want more because we have, you know, what, uh, X number of years with the property and all of the stuff that's already been explained. So when we have something brand new like this and they don't explain something like that, it does frustrate me a little bit. Um, and they do this in other shows too. It's like, uh, or they did it in um, uh, Princesses of Power. Like all of a sudden in that one episode, you know, she has battle armor. And we're like, where'd that come from? Yeah. And there's no reference to it again. It's just like it was convenient for, for that episode. Or, or in Mike Young, you know, it was convenient that time that he's wearing the ice armor He-Man outfit because he's in the snow. But it was really <laughs> just because there was a toy. Um, yes. So I think, yeah. yeah well, I, and that's I, kind of you know, where a problem too, right? Like right? there was a problem in certain elements of the 2002 show, right? This is the toy company really truly making toy commercials, which is not was not the case in the 80s, right? Like Filmation had creative control and and all of that. And uh that's going to, I think, forever frustrate fans because their their uh goals and our interests are not perfectly aligned in that we want the good stories and the mythos to be built and whatever. And they are making this show specifically to sell toys. That is why they are making it. Right. So that's always going to be uh, a little bit of a dissonance now, as long as Mattel continues to make the shows instead of, um, cause like, right. The she show was better to us because it was it didn't care about selling toys they cared about telling a good story because it was made by dreamworks and it was right. made by a creative team that just wanted to tell good stories and we got a better show because of it 
And I'm not discrediting the the people working on this show because I still no. think there's a lot of good here. I know I know you have your problems with it, but I do no. think that it is that is a very interesting point to make where princesses of power uh, was driven differently than than this show was, or even Revelation, right? Because at the end of the yep. day, Mattel, you know, Mattel was that was yet another push for toys. Whereas yep. the you know the Shira toys didn't even come out till what season three or something of of Princess, and they were power. pretty limited. Like, yeah, limited yeah. world. Yeah, yeah. So definitely not a driving factor. But I, I do think that's that's interesting. Is a lot of times maybe it's it is better if the if the company gives more of a of a. Creative control to a to a creative team, and it could be this exact creative team, right, for the CG show. But there might be things where that Mattel stipulated be in, like we need this here, we need this here, because these toys are coming out here X Y Z, blah blah blah. Right, like the worst episodes of Mike Young, right, are the ones that were literally just toy commercials, like the Man and Machines that were like oh yeah for those stupid or that's Mecca. the samurai one yeah uh that one also the um also the one with the dragon walker i forget the name of the episode but it's like the entire episode is basically just a commercial for the dragon walker toy. <laughs> it's like you know this was those that was the worst uh of it in that show i think that show the creative team did have a bit more control than they do in this one or in revelation um so it wasn't all that but there was there was a fair bit of it in especially you know over the 39 episodes that we got there were a few episodes in where they were you're just like ah, this only exists because they wanted to sell this toy and that's frustrating for fans like us i think well back to so final thoughts on on this uh are we excited for season three and the potential of the Snake Men and whatever mystery the Eldress uh, is going to bring into the picture from her land of snow. Yes. I'm looking yeah. forward to it. I'm Thank very you. excited. I, I like the fact that we're going to most likely see King Hiss, I'm assuming. Um, maybe King Grayskull, who I do like his design in this as well. You see him in the portrait. Mm-hmm. Um like or like I think Leanne said earlier, maybe before we were recording, um, there's a toy of He-Man in that same costume. So at least we'll probably get He-Man powering up into that costume um, to fight the Snake Men. So I think that'll be a really cool. You know, we had, gosh, you know, 130 episodes of He-Man and 90 some of She-Ra, and we never got you know King Hiss. Or proper use of the snake men because they kind of threw them in with either Skeletor or the Horde. So I do enjoy the fact that Mike Young utilized the snake men because that was new for us. And I think I'm going to enjoy it uh, here as well. That's what I, that's the part I'm really looking forward to. I'm hoping it's well done. The snake men are of all the factions in the Masters mythos. They're my like least least favorite, least interesting to me. But um, but yeah, I mean, we'll we'll see what they do. I guess I don't I don't know what I'm doing as far as season three. I uh, obviously you're watching it is what you're doing. <laughs> I don't know. So I mean, whether is it, does he have a choice, people? I mean, we no. can go and kidnap whether, him and just sit him down. Okay, well, I'll, let me, I'll I'll phrase it this way: whether I want to watch season three even a little bit it's going to depend a lot on when it drops. Like six months from now, I might feel like okay i've healed enough from season two <laughs> i could tackle this one more time um 
So I've, if there's a big enough gap, and I really hope there is, uh, but like I can't imagine like a week from now trying to go into a season three. I wouldn't. I don't think I'd be able to do that at this point. So just watch the very last episode. I know, right? And <laughs> then That's go true, into actually. Three. The last episode was really well done. So. Well, yeah, I'm I'm excited for the Snake Man. And I'm also hoping to see Merman and the Mer people. Oh, we have to, right? We have yeah. to. We I mean, they've been to. referenced. Um, so they were instrumental in take helping take down the Snake Men before. So they've got to show up. Mm-hmm. Martin. Um, all Did of the above. Oh <laughs> no, I'm still. <laughs> um. Yeah, I'm very excited for a uh, for a third season. I hope it goes beyond a third season. I don't know if it's been renewed yet. I don't think it has. Haven't they just got like a 28-episode order? Um, I think so, yeah. But I, I you know, I'd more than ha- happily watch several more seasons of this and wait for them to get uh, a lot more characters done. Maybe do like a She-Ra season or a New Adventures season because we've not really had a continuous He-Man show um, for years. <laughs> we, we had like one season of New Adventures, um, two seasons of Mike Young before that was abruptly cancelled. It would be nice to have something that continues for at least a couple of years and we get like a multi-season um, story arc. So I hope it, it goes further. And you'd you'd absolutely die if... Someone, at least if someone from the new adventure showed up. I'd be happy with just like one character. Just like I feel like Optic would really cameo. work. Yeah. Optic, yeah. He or, can te- or maybe they could they could make um the triclops, right? Since they changed it in this one, they could make the triclops suck onto someone and maybe they become optic or something. <laughs> maybe, yeah. Um yeah, if you want another female villain, why don't you do like Krita or something from your adventures? Mix it up. Mix the it show up. Mixes things up very well. So I hope we see yeah. something. Um, and of Shira too. I, I'd love to see some Shira characters turn up. Mm-hmm. Well, I think at least the majority of us then are <laughs> anticipating season three. Uh, so <laughs> check out I... season two and, you know, maybe, maybe you won't hate it as much as Josh does. <laughs> Let me, let me, uh, I'd like to point out one thing in terms of it going longer, which I'm obviously not particularly in favor of, but if kids are enjoying it, especially like the more fans we have, the better. But like just in terms of that idea, one thing that's really notable in the show, uh, unlike in basically any other incarnation since filmation, because filmation, it was sort of a given, they are much more, um, slowly introducing like the early characters that you know what we think of as the early characters from the 80s right like we we have not really seen any except for i guess mosquitara sort of um uh, characters that are from like later in the line this has been very much a dull very slowly doling it like we we had you know the the main four and then, like, okay, now we've got Stratos and Maddie Faces, and even Orca was like introduced what halfway or more through season one, like, 
kind of the early characters that that are the most strongly associated with the brand have all been introduced very very slowly so i'm wondering if the there you know that is the plan if they can get renewed or whatever that they will still have a lot of those classic characters to introduce um as it goes on because it's it's been a extru- for for the way shows are done especially today and 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 the way revelation was and the way mike young was it's been an extremely slow rollout of those characters let's hope for years to come and it'll you know you'll get the hang of it and embrace it man i can feel it season is <laughs> gonna be your year i know it <laughs> well Hopefully it'll be the year for something positive <laughs> yeah. yeah let's hope well, um, we hope you watch season two of the CG show. We hope you watch season three whenever it drops. We'll be back to review that, of course, even Josh. So uh, <laughs> thank you for downloading as always. I'm John Callis, also known as The Shadow. I'm Katie Carty Highly, also known as Rainbow Bright. I am Martin Penny, also known as Wacky Martin. I am Leanne Hanna, also known as Stratosmacker. I'm Josh Lioncourt, also known as Lioncourt Destroyer of Worlds. <laughs> <laughs> and what do we say at the end of every episode? Good, Good journey. Stratos out. <laughs> yes. You have to keep that in, Josh. I mean, John. <laughs>